So Christmas is all about clothing when you think about it. Like, think about all the different clothes that we focus on at this time of year. You got your ugly Christmas sweaters, right? Maybe you're into that. Maybe you got a couple in your closet and you break it out every once in a while. You have your Christmas bests, right? When you go to parties or when you come to like Christmas Eve or Christmas Day church, you want to make sure you're looking your best. And maybe you take Christmas photos and so you really want to make sure, hey, we have to kind of coordinate together as a family, make sure you're looking good. So you got to pick out those clothes. And then of course you need the matching PJs, right? We all need the matching PJs that the whole family gets together on Christmas Day and gets to lounge around in. There's a lot of clothes with Christmas, right? Uh, and I think a big reason is because it's such a special time of year, and, and we want to celebrate that with all of these different types of clothing. And that's one of the ways that we can celebrate a season and, and mark something as special and unique and significant. And that theme, that idea of clothing being significant and helping you appreciate something and helping you learn something and deepen into something, uh, that's really what we're going to be talking about over the next handful of Wednesday evenings. Uh, and actually, the devotion that we've shared with you that you can uh, use and read uh, throughout these days of Advent, uh, it follows along that same theme. But, but the, the idea is that we're going to look at some of the instances where the Bible talks about clothing. And, and what it says about the clothing that we wear or what God clothes us in because it's very significant. And as we look at these instances, we're going to see how all of them ultimately point to who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And so the season of Advent is a time where we will think about the clothing that God gives to us. And tonight we begin by looking at a kind of an interesting place because when you think about it, uh, the story begins when there was no clothing at all. We go back to the very beginning in the Garden of Eden, in the book of Genesis, when, when God made everything and he made Adam and Eve as kind of the pinnacle of his creation. And everything was good. And, and if you know the story, they were made and what were they? Naked. There was no clothing. Uh, it was kind of symbolic of the reality that, that they were perfect and, and they had a perfect relationship of intimacy with one another, but also they had a, a, a vulnerable and open relationship with the world and ultimately with God. Now, it didn't take too long, though, before something broke in and something happened that fractured that perfection and fractured that relationship. And that's where we pick up the story from our reading in Genesis chapter 3. Uh, the scripture reading that we heard uh, is when God is speaking to Adam and Eve and to the serpent uh, because they had just uh, rejected God's leadership. You see, again, God made everything perfect, including the relationship he had with Adam and Eve, with all humans and them, with one another and them, with creation. Everything was as it should be, and yet Adam and Eve chose to believe this lie, a lie that many of us still believe to this day and that really is the root of all of the dysfunction in the world. It's at the root of all of our problems. It's at the root of all of our dysfunction. It's this lie that they believed we are better off on our own. We don't need God. We are better off doing things our way. God has told us to live his way, uh, but we think we will be better off on our own. 
And it's that lie that they believe and then they act out on and they reject the leadership and the provision and the goodness of God and they go their own way. And then God kind of ushers in judgment. You know, that was the scripture reading, if, if you've heard it before, is God kind of pronouncing the judgment upon Adam and Eve and the serpent. And really what God is doing is he is giving them exactly what they ask for. They ask God, God, we want to do things on our own. We want to live our life on our own apart from you. And in a sense, God is saying, have it your way. I will give you exactly what you're asking for. And because of that separation, because they are now being, being separated and disjointed from God, there's all of this dysfunction and difficulty and death that is entering in. Because now they have, they have separated themselves from the source of life and goodness and purpose all together. And here's really the worst thing of all, though, is now uh, they are no longer able to be in the presence of God. Like, that's really what happens is God begins to usher them out of the garden. If you keep reading, God kind of leads them out like an employee who's just been fired, and the security guards are saying, all right, pack up your things, pack up your desk, and we're going to walk you out of the building. Like, that's what God does with them, is he ushers them out of the garden and then puts an angel at the entrance of the garden with a flaming sword so no one can enter back. Because they now have brought, brought sin and dysfunction and death into God's garden of perfection and life and goodness. And so they cannot be in the presence of God. And now they are forced to deal with their sin and their shame and their nakedness. Remember, they are naked. They are left to deal with that all on their own. When you think about this time of year, Christmas time, like we're in the throes of it, like we're full on in the middle of Christmas time, it is the happiest time of the year, or so they tell us, right? Uh, here's the thing, if you talk to pastors, if you talk to counselors, if you talk to people who kind of deal with people, uh, what you find is actually for many people, this time of the year, uh, happiness and joy and and, and giddiness are not the primary emotion for many people. You want to know what the primary emotion for many people is? Grief. And shame. And guilt. Loss. Like that is, for many people, this time of the year, the thing that they feel the most. They feel grief. And maybe that's you. Maybe you are feeling some grief now or you have and Christmas has passed, but it can come to the surface in kind of a, a, a much, much more pronounced way than kind of normal times of the year. There's just something about this season that can bring that out of people. And when I say that word grief, uh, it comes in all different forms and shapes and for all kinds of different reasons. Like, obviously, grief is, is kind of related to uh, loss of loved ones to death. You know, we think about someone who, who normally has been with us at Christmas, and maybe this is the first Christmas that we think, and we're like, well, they're not here, and, and they've always been here. And there's a grief 
in that. Or even you think about like the type of Christmas you can put on for your family. And maybe for uh, financial reasons, maybe for circumstantial reasons, maybe for all things that may be outside of your control, or maybe you've made some poor decisions, and you now are in a position where you look and you say, I would love to give my family this type of Christmas, and, and I can only give them this type of Christmas. And there's a gap in between that. And you know that feeling that you have, that mourning you have of like, I want to be able to do this, but I can't and so I can only do this, that is grief. Or you think about key relationships in your life, relationships that you know should be really good, and yet for whatever reason, they're not. And they're dysfunctional, there's an awkwardness, there's a coldness, there's something off. And so you would love to be able to kind of bring them over to the house and say Merry Christmas, you'd love to shoot them a text or give them a phone call and wish them happy holidays, but but. For whatever reason, it's awkward, and, and there's something amiss, and there's something not right. And that, that gap that you feel of, I want the relationship to be good, and I know it should, but it isn't, that gap is grief. Or you think about just guilt and shame. Like maybe this time of year, you just all of a sudden feel this overwhelming sense of guilt over the fact that your life should be like this, but maybe because of some poor decisions years ago or recently or, or things that you've done and you can't seem to break out of a habit or break out of a cycle, you're overcome with some guilt and shame now and there's just hanging over you. And you look and you're like, my life should be like this, but it's like this. That gap that you feel that's grief. You know, it all comes in all types of shapes and sizes and for all different reasons. And this time of the year, there's something about it that it brings it all to the surface for so many people. And all of that, whether you realize it or not, can be traced directly back to the garden, to this moment where Adam and Eve turned away from God and ushered in all the brokenness of the world, all the grief we feel for all these different types of reasons, all traces it back to this moment where brokenness and dysfunction and death entered in. So what are you having grief over right now? I think it's probably a safe bet that there's something. Maybe it's a big thing or maybe it's a small thing. I'm willing to bet, though, that every single one of us, there's something that we look at and there's a gap between what we want and what we hoped for and what we desire and what we got and what we're going through. There's a gap and we're grieving something. What is it for you? I think it's a healthy thing to think about it and to, to be honest, at least with yourself. What are you grieving this Christmas season? Uh, back to Adam and Eve. So they are on the brink of being expelled from the garden, of being out of the presence of God. And really, the lingering question, as you read the story, the question is this, is God really going to let them go out into this dark and dangerous and broken world with nothing to protect them and having all of their sin and shame be, be visible and be owning them and to be 
be put out into the world with nothing to protect them. Is that what God is going to do? And if you keep reading, the answer is very clear. No. God, surprisingly, does something for them. You see, maybe it's a verse in the Bible that you just skim right past. Like, maybe you've heard this story over and over again, but maybe you've skimmed past this part every time you read it. But before they are sent out of the garden, God does something for them. He does this. Verse 21, And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. You know, if you were to look up who was the first fashion designer, I'm sure you would get, like, some fancy European. I'm sure if Google, like, if you ask Google, it would tell you that. But I would argue that this is the very first instance of a fashion designer. And who is it? It's God himself. God is the very first one to fashion clothing, to fashion something that people would wear. See, this is the clothing piece of it, and this is the very first instance of it. And think about how amazing this is that God clothes them. God takes his God hands and reaches down and gets it into our world, and he fashions them some clothing and puts it on their backs. Now, notice what he makes it out of, though. Like, he didn't, like, hey, let me grab some cotton. Let me grab some synthetic, you know, all that kind of stuff. He didn't do that. What did he use that? What did he use to make the clothing? It says garments of what? Skin. Animal skin, to be specific, which is really, really significant that God reached down and the clothing that he made was was the skin of an animal, which, which, think about it, at this point in the history of the universe, sin has just entered in, which means there has never, ever been anything that has died. Death has not happened at all until now, until God reached down and took the innocent life of an animal to clothe his people. There was an innocent third-party sacrifice that had to be made in order to clothe his people. And through that clothing, God covered their sin and their shame, and he promised to protect them as they were going off into the dangerous and dark world. Are you seeing it yet? How this, this moment points to Jesus and who he is and what he's done for us. Because believe it or not, this is not the only time God would fashion clothing for his people from an innocent sacrifice, from flesh and blood. This was not the first time because when God did this, you know, he was looking at Adam and Eve's sin, but you know what he was also thinking about? He was thinking about your sin and my sin. And your shame, and my shame, 
And he was thinking about the fact that we are in a world that is dysfunctional and that is broken and that there's a lot of dangerous things that are around us and that afflict us and we need protection. And God, as he's doing this, was thinking about you because this is but a glimpse, but a small fraction of what he was planning on doing in the future. Because because God would take another innocent sacrifice, but it would not be an animal. It would be his very own son. As Jesus Christ entered into the world that we celebrate this time of year, and we celebrate at Christmas, Jesus came for a specific purpose. Jesus came for the purpose of being the sacrifice for you and me and for all people because we are broken and sinful and we have shame and we have guilt and that needs to, to, be, to be covered. And Jesus said, I will come and I will be your sacrifice. I will take your death and your punishment that you deserve. And Jesus says, I will take that for you. And he comes and he puts his, his flesh and blood on a cross to die for you. And in that death, that innocent suffering of Jesus, he covers, he makes clothing for all humanity, for you and me. And you know what you are covered in? You are not covered in the skin of an animal. You are covered in forgiveness. You have been fashioned clothing of mercy, and Jesus Christ has wrapped you in it. And it covers over all of your sin, and it it assures you of God's promises and protections now and forever. Like, because Jesus Christ has come, has been born, has lived, has died for you, he has wrapped you and clothed you in himself. And you know what that means? That all of your sin and all of your shame has been covered by him. Like, think about the worst thing you have ever done. The thing that you, you don't even like to tell yourself that you've done. That, that is covered by the work of Jesus. It is forgiven. It is, it is no more. You may remember it, but God has covered over it. And, and, and he has assured you of all of his promises, his promises and his protection that, that even if the worst thing happens to you in this world, he has protected you from the worst that this world has to throw at you. Because you, you believe it or not, you will live forever. Jesus Christ has assured you of that because you are clothed in his mercy and his forgiveness. You will live forever with him. You have God's spirit in you. You have it leading you. And so even though you may feel like you are stumbling around, God's spirit is leading you every step of the way. And you have an identity that has been wrapped around you in Jesus Christ. Your identity is, is son, daughter of God. And there is nothing that anybody can do to ever remove that because Jesus Christ has wrapped you in his mercy. He has clothed you in his forgiveness. And that promise and that protection will never, ever leave you. There is nothing that can remove that from you. And there is coming a day when Jesus returns where all of the dysfunction, all of the brokenness, it will be completely done away with. And so while we struggle against it now, 
We know that there's coming a day when it's all going to be done with. That is the promise and that is the assurance you have because God has fashioned you clothing. He has wrapped you in Jesus Christ, his son. And so my my encouragement to you is this, that you would never forget that. You would never forget that, and you would cling to this garment. You would cling to the clothing that Jesus has wrapped you in, in himself and his forgiveness, and cling to that clothing. Because here's what's going to happen, and here's what does happen all the time. When we face that grief and that gap in our lives now, when we face the hardships and the dysfunction, you know what is, is a tendency in our in our lives, we tend to look for all of these other ways of covering ourselves up. Like we tend to forget that we are already clothed in Jesus Christ, and we look for all these other things to try and cover us up and to try and cover our sin and our shame and try and give us some protection and some defense, and here's what they do. They don't actually work. And so maybe for you, maybe that looks like you spending a lot of money at this time of year because you want to spend all the money on your family, on your kids, on your grandkids, and you want to spend all the money to try and quiet the guilt that you feel because you're like, I just want to focus on them, but you think that that will solve your problems, you think that will cover things up, and then you get to the end and all you have is a whole lot of debt and more shame and more guilt. It doesn't actually work. Or, Or maybe we try and cover it up by lying to people. And here's what it looks like when we lie to people. Hey, how are you doing? Amazing phenomenal. Everything is awesome. And inside, we're like, I'm dying, I'm dying, I'm dying. And we don't tell anybody. We just lie about it. And we don't, we don't admit that there's something in us that we're grieving. And we think that that will protect us. We think that that will cover things up, but it won't. It doesn't work. Or, or maybe you're the person who you're going to put up the wall, and you're not going to let anybody in, and you're going to just keep everybody out in order to protect yourself. But what you've come to find out is you're just incredibly alone, and nothing, nothing actually works when you do that. Or we, we look to maybe a glass or two or three of some red wine, and we think, listen, let's just have fun, and this will help quiet the guilt and the shame that I feel, and we turn to it and we turn to it again and again. And here's the thing, I love some red wine. And this time of year is great to enjoy it with friends and family. But it is not something we turn to to cover up our guilt and our shame and to offer us protection. It will only enhance those things and make it worse. We turn to all these other things to try and cover us up. But here's what I want you to remember. You already have the covering, the clothing that gives you the covering for sin that you desperately need and the protection that you, you want so badly. You already have it. Never forget it, that Christ has come and he has clothed you in his forgiveness. Cling to him because that is the only thing that works. Like I said at the beginning, Christmas is all about the clothing, right? 
And I'm sure you guys have some really killer Christmas outfits this year that are going to look awesome. I'm sure of it. But here's what I do know, that you have something far better, that looks far greater, and that is so much more beautiful. You have Jesus Christ. And he has come, he has been born, and he has died to give you a garment of his very blood. And he has wrapped you in his mercy and his forgiveness that covers over all of your sin and all of your shame. And he has secured his promises for you now and forever. May you never forget that. Amen.